Welcome to the Parasha and Halakha audio series, a presentation of contemporary halachic topics as they relate to the Parasha Tashavua. The Sephardic Halakha Center is committed to advancing the research and application of Halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halachic consultation, monetary bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha journal, and for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email us at info at vshc.org. The following is an introduction from Harav Shmuel Pinhasi Shlita, the Nasi of the Sephardic Halakha Center, followed by a loose translation of his remarks. אני חייב לומר במילים ספורות שגדולת תלמוד שהביאה לידי מעשה ורבותינו ראו את נושא ההלכה עד כמה זה חשוב עד שאומרים שחדי קודשא בריחו לעשו כשמט את האליבא דהלכתא חז"ל אומרים אוהב השם שערי ציון מכל משכנות יעקב אוהב השם שערים המצוינים בהלכה יותר מכל בתי כנסיות ובתי מדרשות כמה זה חשוב בתי כנסת, כמה זה חשוב בתי מדרשות. אין ספק שכל מילה בתורה יש בזה תילי תילין של שכר בעולם הזה, בעולם הבא, אבל אין מעלה כגודל לימוד התורה, במיוחד כשמגיעה הלכה למעשה. עד כדי כך שחז"ל אומרים שמאז שחרה בית המקדש, לא זזה השכינה מכותל המערבי, אבל רבותינו אומרים שאין לו לקדוש ברוך הוא אלא דלת אמות של הלכה. כלומר, יש שני דברים, יש כותל המערבי, יש בית המקדש שלצערנו עדיין אנחנו מתאווים ושואבים, שואפים לקיים את ה... להקים שכינה מאפרה, אבל אין לו לקדוש ברוך הוא אלא דלת אמות של הלכה. זו מעלת ההלכה. והחתם סופר מסביר ואומר, יש שניים שהקדוש ברוך הוא בוכה עליהם. אחד שיכול ללמוד והוא לא לומד. והשני, שהוא לא יכול ללמוד ולומד, שואל החתם סופר, שאלה ידועה ומפורסמת, מי שם אדם שיכול ללמוד ולא לומד? אז הקדוש ברוך הוא בוכה עליו, כי חבל על דאבדין, עוד כישרון, עוד כוח, אבל למה הקדוש ברוך הוא בוכה על מי שלא יכול ללמוד ולומד? אומר החתם סופר פלאי פלאות, אומר, הוא לא יכול ללמוד פלפול. והוא לומד פלפול, והיה יכול להיות גדול בהלכה. היה יכול להיות במושגים של הלכה, מסיק שמט תלמדי הלכתא. הוא יכול להגיע לדרגות של ללבד הלכה. אבל הוא לא לומד הלכה, הוא לומד דבר אחר. ועל זה הקדוש ברוך הוא כואב, ועל זה הוא בעצם בוכה, כאילו חבל מאוד שהוא מתעסק בדברים אחרים, שהם אולי באמת חשובים, אבל אין להם תועלת כל כך. כמו זה שיכול להגיע לידי... הלכה, לליבון ההלכה. ולכן אני אומר, אשריכם ואשר חלקכם שאתם עוסקים בלימוד ההלכה, ובמיוחד הרבנים הגאונים, שהם באמת תורמים מזמנם, ממרצם, מעונם ועונם, הונם ועונם, שברוך השם באים ועושים מלאכת קודש ללמוד וללמד הלכה צרופה, הלכה ברורה. אני מאחל לכולם שידיכם לגאון ולתפארת. ולהעלות בעזרת השם ביתר סד וביתר אה, 
עוז בלימוד ההלכה, ובעזרת השם, שכר לימודכם יעלה בידכם להגדיל תורה ולהדירה. אמן. Rav Shmuel Pinchasi says the following, With the permission of my brothers and friends, I just want to say a few words about the greatness of Talmud Torah, which leads to action. Chachamim extol the virtue of Limud Halacha so much that they state that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has special pleasure in the study of Torah for the purpose of knowing the correct Halacha. Hazal say on the Pasuk, Ohev Hashem Sha'aret Zion Mikol Mishkenot Yaakov that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the study halls of Halakha more than any other Batei Knesset and Batei Midrash. There is no doubt that every word of Torah merits a tremendous amount of reward in Olam Hazeh and Olam Abba, but there is no greater virtue than the study of Torah Halakha Lema'aseh. The Rabbis say that since the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, the Shekhinah has not left the Kotel HaMa'aravi. On the other hand, The rabbis also say that after the destruction, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only has in his world the four amot of halacha. Hachamim are comparing our yearning for the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash and restoring the glory of the Shekhinah to the tremendous ma'ala of studying halacha. The Hatam Sofer explains that the Gemara says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries over two types of people, one who can learn and does not learn, and one who cannot learn and learns. The question is obvious. It is clearly unfortunate that one who can, can learn and does not learn. The question is obvious. Clearly, it is unfortunate that one can learn and does not learn. What a waste of potential and kohot. However, what is wrong with one who cannot learn and nevertheless pushes himself to learn? The Hatam Sofer answers that the Gemara is referring to one who cannot learn on the deep level of Pilpul and nevertheless attempts to do so at the expense of knowing halakha. This, so to speak, pains HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that although this person is obviously learning important things, still he is neglecting the important study of halakha. Therefore, I commend those who study halakha, especially the very knowledgeable rabbis of the Sephardic Halakha Center, who invest time, effort, and money in clarifying and arriving at the proper, proper halakhic conclusion and teaching them to the tzibur. I bless them to continue with this Malachat HaKodesh and may they merit to see much success in this great endeavor. L'Hagdil Torah Adira Amen. The following shiur has been delivered by Diane Yosef Greenwald, Diane at the Beit Avad. For more information or shiurim, please visit dshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. In the Medrash in this week's parasha, Parashat Shemot, the Medrash brings the Pasuk, Et mi yore dea. The Navi asks, Who will teach wisdom? Who will teach divine insight? And the Medrash refers to Moshe Rabbeinu, the ultimate teacher of wisdom, the ultimate mouth that gives over Torah Hashem, that gives over the divine wisdom from what he heard straight from the mouth, pe'el pe'adabebo, straight, uh, so to speak, from the mouth of God. And because the conduit of that divine wisdom channeling for all time into the Jewish nation, to Am Yisrael, 
is the mouth of Moshe Rabenu, so then it's understood that the purity and the uh, kedusha of that mouth had to be on a different level. And because of that, the Medrash, the, the Medrash tells us in reference to that posuk that that's why Moshe Rabbeinu could not be fed by the incident when Moshe Rabbeinu was taken as an infant. We know that he was put as, uh, when he was three months old, he was put on the river because he couldn't be hid by his mother Yocheved. And he was there on the Nile River and Batya Bat Paro, the daughter of Paro, came along and there are wondrous accounts in Medrashim that she was maybe going to be mid-gayer, mid she was going to bathe in the waters of the Nilus in order to, as a Tvilat Gerut from Avodah Zara, which was a realization that she had come to. And at that moment of truth, at that moment of personal growth, she linked her fate, her fortune, to the future of the eternity of Klal Yisrael. And there's a wondrous account also in the Gemara about how she reached her hand stretched out and out, which was obviously a sign of Hitpashtut Midata Chesed, because the ultimate realization of, ha- of Hashem's presence in this world is Midata Chesed. So at the moment when she performed Chesed with Moshe Rabbeinu, it had to be a godly form of Chesed in which there was no there was no end to, to where she could reach to. All this is obviously, this event is the pivotal event in the history, in the prehistory of Klal Yisrael. And at that point where she took Moshe Rabbeinu, she had to feed him, and he refused to nurse, to suckle from a non-Jewish woman. This is famous, and the med- and the medrash tells us at me that the mouth that is atid l'daber imashchina pelber refused to eat from a non-Jewish woman. It would seem from the medrash, we'll go back to a halachic perspective for a few minutes, that the concept of a Jewish child nursing from a non-Jewish woman is something over here that was unique to Moshe Rabbeinu. And truth to be told, the Gemara Navodazara Chavov tells us that there is, it seems from the Gemara, that there is no Isur Me'ikr Hadin. It would seem the way most Rishonim, the way most poets can bring the Gemara, it would seem to be clear that the is, that, uh, that the problem over here was a spiritual problem, not a halakhic one. Not that spirituality and halakha are two different areas of endeavor, but this was something extra. This was a uh, this was a madrega of Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. What's interesting is that the Ritva brings in uh, there's a sugya in Yevamot Kufyu Dalit. Over there is a sugya that's called Safinon. Safinon refers to a concept. Where even a child who is not mechuyav b'mitzvot, he's not a he's a bar chinuch, but he's not mechuyav b'mitzvot. Feeding him non uh, non permitted food seems to be an isur It seems to be that the isur over there is a discussion only as far as non kosher food. It does not seem to be a discussion. Um, for other Yisurim, even though there's an interesting discussion in the Mishneh Burah, 
and other poskim about giving a child to carry on Shabbos. Of course, for a parent to give a child to carry on Shabbos is the problem is that the child in a place obviously where it's uh, prohibited to carry is an isur of itself because the child is doing it for the parent and the pasuk tells us ato ubincha ubehemtecha so the same way one is not allowed to have an animal carry something or thresh for him or plow for him and so on that's considered a quasi malacha the same is true on a child even if that child himself is not over on the melacha chabiz but there's a quasi malacha for the father but what happens let's say it's somebody else's child so this isur is only if it's your animal well that's debatable your animal but certainly only if it's your child um, obviously you can't uh, you can't ruin somebody else's chinuch, uh, on their child, but what happens if it's not a non-issue of chinuch? And the child even thinks he's doing a mitzvah, um, theoretically it should be mutter. And the Mishneh Buran, Rabbi Akiva Eger have a discussion about whether there's an Isur Safinon, um, insofar as carrying on Shabbos Kutzer. But certainly the sugya over there is about ma'achil nevelot utrefot, feeding non-kosher food, to a um, to a child, even if he's not mechuyav b'mitzvot, and in that context, like we said, the Ritva brings b'shem Rabenu Chananel that there's an iser for a child, for a Jewish child, to nurse from a non-Jewish woman. Um, it's not only Moshe Rabbeinu the only difference is that for a normal child if there would be no alternative Sakana Moshe Rabbeinu had to have an S because Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't be the purity of his mouth couldn't be compromised but according to most Rishonim the issue um, is not a halachic issue it's a spiritual perspective however the Paskim point out that certainly in the realm of who doesn't want to give their children, who doesn't want to give every Jewish child the chance at reaching his maximal spiritual potential, there's certainly something compromising about it. And uh, certainly on a spiritual level, it shouldn't be done. Now what's, it, what's another interesting facet over here, is that there seems to be a disparity in the Rishonim between the Ritva and the Rajba, and the Rajba, how to understand, what's the problem of a Jewish child nursing from a non-Jewish woman? We've established that according to most Rishonim, there is no Isur of, it's not the same thing as feeding a Jewish child non-Jewish food. By the way, we might add that the place where this comes up for infants is in the realm of uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, the question will be asked about compromising on chal- on chalav uh, Yisrael on on Jewish formula for an infant, and if one is makpid on eating chalav Yisrael, one is that one does not go with the leniency uh, that's expressed by some of the poskim, namely uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein. Uh, many of the poskim, Bifrat in Eretz Yisrael, disagreed with the psak that is that allows one to eat chalav stam. And uh, that being said, um, the shaila is: is it worth compromising 
very often um, one can get even covered uh, medically by insurance. One could get formula, but the formula generally is not from the Jewish companies, which is Chalav Yisrael. And the only thing I could say is that uh, one has to remember that it might be worth pushing oneself for not giving one's child, one's infant, even if there's no Isur in Halakha, but there's definitely something to be said about uh, about making sure that child is fed what's uh, what's best for his optimal spiritual development. In any case, what is the problem with a Jewish child nursing on some level from a non-Jewish woman? The Ritva says that a non-Jewish woman, the milk that she produces is produced from non-Jewish food. The same way feeding a, a Jewish child non-kosher food will compromise him him or her spiritually. The same is true. Now, of course, it's not a purely halakhic perspective because the milk that a woman produces is not a product. It's not, so to speak, the food that she ate. But it is produced from the enzymes, from the physical components of the food. She ate, so there's a certain compromising spiritual quality about that food. The, Raj, the Rajba says something else. Says that the non-Jewish woman herself as a source of nourishment, of sustenance for a Jewish child is also not fitting. Because when a child nurses from its mother's milk, the, the metaphor is used very often in uh, Psukim, of a child nursing emuna, yirat shamayim, with his, with, with, with his mother's milk. A non-Jewish woman does not come from the nation that the Gemara and Yivamot tells us is Baishanim Gomle Chasadim. Does not have those character traits of a Jewish mother. A Jewish mother is a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish mother is a non-Jewish mother. Simple as that. The difference, of course, would be, um, this is a question also that's asked, um, if you have a... Um, you have a situation where a couple, lo alenu, um, can't have children, or they want to adopt a child, and they've picked out their organizations that work with uh, young women that are don't want don't want to raise a child, don't have the capacity, don't have the capability of raising a child. Instead of ending the pregnancy, which is very often there's a, a beautiful organization, Efrat in Israel, that deals with this. Um, they'll set up with a family that uh, would want to adopt that child, and very often that uh, that shiduch is made wh- while the child is in utero. So um, the parents will pay for the uh, the parents the parents that want to adopt will pay for the um, for the unmarried woman bearing, so to speak, their future child. Um, they'll take care of her, they'll give her payments, they'll set her up with proper medical care and so on and so forth. And usually in order to make the relationship as natural as possible, the adoptive parents will take the child right after birth. What There have been questions about babies that were born, especially where the babies was brought into existence in a underprivileged uh, state, very often that can lead to medical complications, and you can have a baby being born preemie. Preemies, as we know, the best 
sustenance for a preemie, um, uh, for a preemie baby is the milk from its own mother. Milk from a full-term mother won't necessarily provide a preemie with the nourishment that it needs for the first few hours slash weeks. And even though that creates a certain amount of emotional difficulty, sometimes it will be almost pikuach nefashot for the child to be fed from the woman who gave birth to the child, even though that child's not going to be brought up by that mother, to at least for the first week of his life, his or her life, to be fed by the mother. Um, and here we go into that shayla. If you have an adoptive uh, set of parents, and they want to provide their child with the optimal spiritual um, benefits of what he of what of what he or she eats the first week of their life. You want to make sure that's from a from a from a kosher environment. So if it's from a Jewish woman, we don't have that second uh, reason for avoiding nursing from a non-Jewish woman, but we do have the fact that um, the optimal situation would be providing that that woman should make sure to have only kosher food being the source of the nourishment she gives that child. That will definitely be a uh, a true fact. I believe I, I, I saw a fascinating parallel to this discussion in one of the chivot from Rabbi Ovadia, but I wasn't able to find it now, but I know that the Chalkat Yoav, uh, one of the great Polish Meshivim, uh, uh, of 150 years ago, says in his Truvot Chelek Bet that he compares this idea of non-Jewish sustenance for a Jewish, for a Jewish person. He compares, he takes this a step further. Milk, we understand that the discussion or even the Midat Chasidut, according to most Rishonim, of feeding from a non-Jewish woman is because milk is food. You are what you eat, and the same way uh if a, if a Jewish person eats non-kosher food, that's going to compromise him spiritually, what we call timtum halev. So, to a certain extent, uh, non-Jewish, non-kosher, non-Jewish sourcing of milk, which is food, will do the same. What's interesting is they compare the idea also of a blood transfusion from a non-Jewish person. To a Jewish person. Since the blood that flows in the veins of a non-Jewish person was fed by non-Jewish food, does that also have a negative effect? To be talking about, uh, transplants. Does a, a kidney or, uh, a liver that's coming from, uh, now if it's pikuach nifashot, then it's no worse than being in a situation where a person's gonna starve to death. Well, they do have to eat it, and over here we're only talking about midat chasidut. It's an academic question. If a blood transfusion is necessary, it's necessary. But they talk about what happens in the lechatchila if you could find a Jew to give blood. That's definitely better. The the sugya of timtum halev is sourced in mesechet yuma daf lametet amen aleph, and the pasuk over there, which is brought, there's a chazal issue a play on words vinitmeisem vinitamtem that becoming defiled with non-kosher food creates a timtum. Timtum means uh, like a clogged artery. Mm-hmm. I remember my Rebbe, uh, Rav Moshe Shapiro, that's all, uh, always saying that the word timtum is like the Hebrew word atum, which means uh, like a sealed room. Like uh, if anybody remembers the uh, the scuds. 
the sealed room, there's no in, there's no out, there's no light coming in, there's, there's nothing could go in, nothing could go out. The opposite of Kiddushah is being stuffed, is being clogged, is being not open for, for inspiration, not being open for the warmth of a true Jewish experience, of a mitzvah, of, of Dvarim Shebekdushah. That is the concept uh, of Timtum uh, Halev. Now, the same way we discussed the sugya of Safinon, that according to many Rishonim, it's only on Machalota Surah. It's only about what you are, what you eat. It's not about any act of Avera. Interesting that the Misilati Sharim in Perek Yud Aleph discusses the concept of Timtum Halev um, in, in the context of any Avera. But you see from Rishonim, they hold not that way. The... Uh, the Yamshel Shlomon in uh, Yivamot, in Kuf Yudal, in the Suga that we discussed, says that there's something, like we said, you are what you eat. What, what a person eats is the spiritual component of his physical makeup. Uh, the same thing is true, by the way, the, the Ramban says in the Parashat parasha Shmini about the simanim of birds. One of the simanim of a non-kosher bird is that it's a bird of prey that swoops down. And the Ramban says that the midot ra'ot, the predatory nature of animals that uh, that prey or birds that prey will go into the one who eats and he will become uh, similar to the animal that he's eaten from. Now we could ask ourselves a question that the main example of Timtum Halev in the Gemara in Yivamot that we quoted is Machalot Asurot, not non-kosher, eating bear meat or eating uh, eating uh, lobsters and crabs. It's about eating Nivelot to Trefot. He's eating a, a kosher animal. He's eating a sheep or a cow. It wasn't slaughtered properly. Now, obviously, you can't say that what's mitamtem that the bad influence of a sheep is because of midot ra'ot, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to eat it, even if you even if you shechted it with a with a kosher slaughtering knife. Here, the answer is provided by again, this is a purely hashkafic uh, discussion. The answer is provided by uh, Rabbi Hirsch, Rabbi Shamshon Fal Hirsch, in his Pirush al Torah, says something penetrating. He says that every animal has in it a nefesh bahamit. He has in it a non, the source of what he is doesn't come, there's a person, every animal has a personality, and that personality is rooted in the world of animalism. The shechita is a process that could take, that can imbue the animal that's slaughtered with the kedushah of mitzvah shechita. Mitzvah shechita can imbue the personality of the shochet, so to speak, the very profound spiritual concept, into the animal, and the nefesh bahamit will be taken over by the mitzvah shechita. But if the raw material comes from cruel, predatory stuff, if it's a bird of prey, you can't take that over with mitzvah shechita. So if you take a animal, which... Uh, is just, it's an animal, right? A cow is a cow. It's not a human being. There's nothing godly about its personality. And the life is drawn out of it with a godly act of mitzvah shechita. So then that animal can be transformed into food 
that could provide spiritual sustenance, it could provide the backdrop of a Sudat Shabbat, of a Sudat Mitzvah, of Sudat Brit Milan, so on and so forth. But if the Shechita is not performed, then it's a piece of animalism. piece of animalism definitely will turn the person who eats it into, unfortunately, something more... Uh, something less desirable. So this is just all backdrop on the fascinating discussion of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu had to enter this world, his first steps in this world had to be done in the optimal spiritual environment. What we should remember for our own child-raising experience is that the Rambam tells us that every Jewish child that comes into this world is capable of reaching the heights of Moshe Rabbeinu. No, none of our children are going to be Moshe Rabbeinu. That's not what the Rambam means. The Rambam means we're all capable of of rising to a level of Shlemut, of reaching our complete and total Tikkun HaNefesh. But in order for our children to have that chance, in order for us to have that chance, we have to provide ourselves and our children with the optimal physical environment that promotes Kiddushah. That means shielding our children from anything that could be harmful, that could destroy their spiritual, innate spiritual sensitivities, and providing for them stimuli and experiences, even physical experiences, that add to the ambience, to the environment that promotes spiritual growth. We should be zochev, v'niya anachnu v'tzetzayenu, v'tzetzayen amcha beit Yisrael, kulonu yodeh shemecha, v'lomdeh torotcha l'shma. Amen v'amen. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakhic consultation, monetary beddin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at thesh.org to subscribe.